Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for Sunday, July 11th, 2021. Let's begin with a reading from Mark's Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the Baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason, these powers are at work in him. But others said, It is Elijah. And others said, It is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him, and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask of me, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately, she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head in on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came back and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of Christ May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was a boy, I looked forward to visiting my dad's aunt, who lived in Hamilton. She was a painter by training and taught fine art at a local college campus. When we were young, her home was always a magical kind of place, full of unusual discoveries. But as much fun as it was, and as kind as our great aunt was, there was always an element in which her home was somehow different. I will always remember my aunt as a person born with an adventurer's spirit, but she was also born toward the end of the 19th century, about 20 years before the end of Queen Victoria's reign. As magical as my aunt and her home were, there was always a feeling that she came from another time. The long drive to Hamilton concluded in my aunt's driveway. Between the car and the front door, there would always be a pause. My dad would get very serious, look at my brother and I square in the eye, and say, Now boys, I expect you to be on your best behavior. 
These trips were always an adventure in which we would learn new things and come to see the world in new ways. But we always knew there were different expectations around behavior. This was the first place that I ever recall learning that appropriate behavior was contextual. To put it another way, the kinds of things that would fly with our friends on the playground at school would not garner the same reaction around the dinner table in Hamilton. Like many of us, as I grew older, I learned that there was a short list of things that were not discussed in polite company. Two of the things that were always near the top of that short list were politics and religion. Ironically, today's Gospel reading not only blends these two topics, but holds the culprit up as a hero. Last week, we read that Jesus had been rejected in his hometown synagogue for teaching that was too bold to be considered polite. He responded by directing his disciples to go out in pairs and do more of the same. Our gospel reading for today picks up right where we left off last week. We are told that Jesus' notoriety had been building and had made its way as far as Herod's palace. People were trying to figure out who Jesus was and how he was able to accomplish the things that he was doing. Some thought he was Elijah, some thought he was a prophet, and others thought he was John the Baptist. What happens next in our Gospel reading is a flashback that any TV producer would be proud of. We know that this excerpt about John the Baptist is a flashback because Mark tells us that Herod thought that Jesus was John back from the dead. Mark recounts the tale of John the Baptist's execution. King Herod had defied Jewish law by marrying his sister-in-law Herodias. John the Baptist called them out rather publicly. While we know that Herod respected John, Herodias definitely did not feel the same way. When the opportunity arose, Herodias manipulated Herod into killing John the Baptist, turning his death into a public spectacle at a state dinner. This story about John the Baptist isn't simply a distraction or an irrelevant side note. It actually gives us important insight into the work that Jesus was doing. Let's not forget that when people heard about the kind of things that Jesus was teaching and doing, they compared him to both Elijah and to John the Baptist. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history, famous as a miracle worker and for going toe-to-toe against the wicked king Ahab. Just like Herod, Ahab had a reputation for being easily manipulated by his wife Jezebel. Much in the same way that John singled out King Herod, Elijah also called out King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. We begin to see that both Elijah and John the Baptist were powerful preachers willing to publicly confront the evils in society, and government in particular. Mark's Gospel helps us connect the dots from Elijah to John the Baptist to Jesus and eventually to Jesus' disciples. When we connect those dots, they help draw a picture in which things like faith and politics are not easily separated into tiny little bundles. Scripture is riddled with examples of men and women motivated by their faith who dare to speak out for truth and justice in the halls of political power. 
people like Daniel, Esther, Deborah, Elijah, and John the Baptist, to name just a few. People who are held up as exemplars for the way our faith should inform and inspire all aspects of our lives, including our desire for just governance. The placement of the story of John the Baptist's beheading within the larger scope of Mark's gospel is important. Jesus had just been rejected by his own hometown synagogue. Turned away for being too controversial and too authoritative, Jesus responds by sending out his own disciples so that they might follow in his footsteps. Jesus' rejection in Nazareth foreshadowed his own rejection in Jerusalem, a rejection that would lead to his crucifixion. Jesus' sending out of the twelve foreshadowed the great commission given at the Ascension. It also foreshadows the mission to which modern-day disciples are called in our own time. Texts like the one that we read today invite us to examine some very important questions. At its core, we are invited to consider what role our faith plays in every aspect of our lives. Are we well-read and current about what's going on in the world around us? Our text for today challenges us to ask how our faith informs the way that we engage with all aspects of the world around us, including the political arena. Do we hold our leaders accountable for their words and actions, not just at the ballot box, but also using the mailbox? I was raised with the idea that there were certain subjects that were not discussed in polite society or over the dinner table. Faith, if you had it, was something that you kept to yourself. Thank you very much. Our text for today challenges this concept of intentionally limiting the expression of our faith in the interest of being polite. I think that this taboo was motivated either by the desire to avoid those things about which people were passionate, or to avoid those subjects that were considered to be too controversial. But let's think about that for a moment. This presumes that we are not mature enough to have deep conversations about matters of genuine consequences. In essence, it seeks to relegate polite conversation to superficial topics that nobody really cares about. I don't know about you, but the longer that I live, the less time I have for things that I find to be inconsequential and boring. I want to make life matter. Today, we are invited to examine what role our faith plays in making a difference, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of everyone around us. Let's pray. God of the prophets, whose word cuts through the webs of power and holds the tyrant to account, be with all who raise their voice against oppression and misrule, and with those who are imprisoned and abused for freedom's sake. Help us to stand and speak with them and witness to your kingdom now. Through Jesus Christ, the name above all others. Amen.